Welcome to Expert Gold Radio, which shows you how to leverage your leadership. Here's your host, Gahan Pereira, for this month's show. Welcome to Expert Gold Radio for December 2014. Yep, it's December already. 2014 is quickly coming to an end. And as you reflect on the year that's gone by, do you see it as a year of great success? Uh, maybe a year of mixed opportunities? Maybe some of both. One of my mentors, Paul Council, used to say that most people don't live, say, 10 years. They just live the same year 10 times. So if you want to do things differently, plan for success. And that's what we're going to talk about in this month's show. We're going to talk about nine things that successful people do differently. So yes, this is about goal setting and planning. And of course, that's appropriate for this time of year, but I think it's relevant for any time of year. In fact, I don't think you should be doing your yearly goal setting only in December or January. I don't even think you should be doing yearly goal setting at all. That used to work, but now our world is changing so fast that a year is much too long for setting most goals. So here's what I think you should do instead. Start by setting a direction or theme for your year. So in your professional life as a leader, is this going to be the year for collaboration or embracing innovation or social media or positioning or creating authority or consolidation or leverage or new opportunities? Those are examples of directions or themes. What about in your personal life? Is this going to be a year for better relationships or health or building wealth or rest and renewal or personal growth or something else? The idea is that your theme isn't a goal. Uh, instead, it sets the direction for your life over the next 12 months, and it will influence the goals that you choose. And you might have one professional theme and one personal theme, uh, or you may just have one that covers both, but you don't have 10 different themes. The next step is to choose your goals. But instead of 12-month goals, pick 90-day goals. In other words, three months rather than 12, or you might like to think of them as 12-week goals. And you might like to think of them as projects rather than goals. And the nice thing about a 90-day project is that you can plan it with a reasonable amount of confidence. It's long enough to do something significant, but short enough that the world probably won't change too much around you. Now, there might be the occasional change that means you've got to adjust your plan. And maybe occasionally you'll have to abandon that project altogether. But that's probably not going to be the case. You probably won't have to throw out most of the projects that you plan for. And you won't have to change too much because the world is changing around you. Okay, so you've got your 90-day projects. What do you then do? You then break your three-month plan down to 12 weeks and then create a weekly action plan. And I learned this from the late Dr. Stephen Covey, who said too many people create an action plan for each day, but they never achieve it because of all their interruptions and distractions. And I remember reading that in the 1990s. And now we've just got so many other interruptions in our lives. So if you plan for the week, you have a bit of flexibility when unexpected things happen on a particular day. But that's not to say you shouldn't plan each day. Just each day, decide on the top three things that you want to achieve that day. Many successful people have done that in their lives. And my friend Neen James, who's a productivity expert, recommends writing those three things on a little post-it note and carrying it around with you. So that's the system. A 12-month theme, a series of 90-day projects or goals, a weekly action plan for each of those 12 weeks leading up to that achieving that goal, and a daily top three list. Now, this system works, but it only works well if you choose and design good 90-day projects. And that's what I want to feature in this month's show. At the start of last year, I conducted a webinar called Nine Things Successful People Do Dif Differently. And that was based on the latest research about goal setting and success. And I'm going to share that here. And of course, because it's a radio show, you'll only be able to hear the audio and not see the slides. But I think there's enough in that for you to understand it.
So today what I want to talk to you about is this idea of nine things that successful people do differently. And I want to do it because this is the time of the year that we're setting our plans for the year, we're doing goal setting, we're trying to be motivated to do the sort of things that we, that we want to achieve this year. And quite often we're very enthusiastic when we start off, but sometimes that life gets in the way. So I want to show you a goal setting process and also a process for being able to stay on track with your goals because the, the whole idea of this is that you will be able to achieve your goals and for some people it's achieve your goals for once because uh, if you're like many people you'd have set goals you might have set goals that you have, that have fallen by the wayside uh, as you go on through the year and this is based on a book by Heidi Grant Halverson um, and I think I fall in love with this woman because she's written these two books and this little one this first one is a little book that she's written which is called Nine Things Successful People Do Differently. It's available on the Amazon for as an ebook for the Kindle, and I think it's just come out in print form as well. So if you prefer the the dead tree version, then that's available as well. And it's quite a little book. It's an easy read. So today's webinar is almost like an extended book review of that book because I'm going to go through those nine things in there. And she's also written a, a year earlier than that. She wrote another book called Succeed, which is a, a more detailed book. Uh, also about goals and goal setting and motivation um, and that goes into a lot more depth but I think if you want just the facts and you want just the, the, just the things to put into action get the little, little red book and if you want the detail which I love then get the, the succeed book and the thing I like about both of them is that they're evidence-based and science-based so there's a lot of uh, she's a psychologist and she draws on a lot of psychological research into uh, what successful people do, how they stay motivated and how they actually progress towards achieving their goals. And today is going to be very, very practical in how you actually set and achieve your goals. Okay, so let me give you a bit of an overview first and then we'll jump into these nine things that successful people do differently. So if you want to go from A to B, so A is where you are and B is where you want to end up. I reckon broadly there are three things that you need to do. So the first thing which is getting started is to set your direction. And so in the book there are these three, that these three are the first principles. So get specific, be a realistic optimist and focus on what you will do. So that's the first thing. So set your direction. So know where B is. The second thing is of course is you do your planning. So you do your planning on how you're going to get from A to B. So you seize the moment know what's left and focus on getting better. So that's what a lot of people do with goal setting. So they set their goal and then they decide on a plan and they quite often do that on the 1st of January or early January or whenever they decide to set their goals. However, the other big part of the achievement is what happens along the way. So the last three things uh, are what you do along the way. And so the, the other principles are have grit, build willpower and don't tempt fate. Okay, so that in a nutshell are the nine things that successful people do differently, according to Dr. Halverson. So now we're going to go through them, and I'll explain each of them in a little bit more detail. But before we do that, what I'd like you to do, as I said at the start of the webinar, is pick a goal for yourself. So choose one of the goals, and it may be one that you've already set, or one that you haven't set yet, but you'd like to achieve, that you're planning to achieve this year, and just have that in mind. And uh, I would suggest write it down. And I'd suggest as we go through this in the next 25 minutes, write down each step of the process. So write down your goal for the moment, and uh, it should be pretty easy for you to do. And we're going to go through now those nine. The nine that the order in which I'm presenting them is different from the order that they're presented in the book. But I do think that the, the order I've described them is quite useful when you sit down to actually go through the process. Because the first thing we're going to do 
is showed you like set your direction. The second thing is do the plan, and the third thing is to do uh, to show you what you do along the way. Okay, so let's start with the first three. The first three is to set your aim. So these are the three that we're going to work on first. And as we go through these nine, I think you're going to find some that you that you found in other goal setting processes. So you think, okay, I know that one. And there'll be some others that you may not have come across. And they're a little bit new and they're a little bit different because this is based on the on the most recent research in goal setting and motivation. So these are the three that we're going to work on first. So get specific, be a realistic optimist, and focus on what you will do. Okay, so Look, look at the goal that you've got and let's look at these three things that we're going to do first. So the first one is one that's common to a lot of goal setting processes, which is just make sure that you know what your goal is. So it's not about losing weight, it's about knowing what your weight's going to be or knowing what your waist size is going to be or knowing what dress size you're going to be able to wear or uh, what's, what pants size you're going to wear. So the three things I'd like you to do here I just make sure that you know how will you know. So how will you know when you've achieved that goal? So lose weight is too big a goal because, you know, how will you know when you've achieved it? It's hard to know. So make sure that you know at the outset how will you know that you've achieved the goal. The second thing is write two positive outcomes. So write two consequences of having achieved that goal. In other words, why are you doing it? So what specific things do you want or what specific reasons do you have for achieving that goal? And the other thing she says is to list uh, some obstacles. And I'm just saying let's start off by listing two obstacles that could get in the way of you achieving that goal. And we're going to come back to those obstacles a little bit later. But it is important to just write specific things that you know maybe have tripped you up in the past and you just want to be aware of. Okay, so those are the three things for the first one. The second one is to be a realistic optimist. And um, Halverson just talks about the idea that quite often if you're optimistic, as a lot of us are, sometimes that can get in the way because we don't think about things that might go wrong. And so the first thing that comes along that is an obstacle just derails the whole process. So what she says is you've got to be an optimist, be an optimist in terms of setting a goal that might be a stretch for you, but also be realistic about the fact that it might take a lot of hard work or a bit of hard work to, to make it happen. So here are some of the things that she, that she suggests for you. So ask yourself, if you've got a stretch goal and you're not quite sure whether you can achieve it, uh, how have you achieved something like that in the past? So go back to some of your past successes. The second thing is, what could get in the way? So again, it's coming back to the obstacles. So just understand that it could be harder than you think and what could get in the way. And the third one is now plan ahead. So how are you going to handle those things that get in the way? Then we move on to the next one. Okay, now here's a really interesting one. This is called focus on what you will do, not what you want to do. When I first read this, I thought of this as actually applying to the goal itself, which is that, you know, like always set your goals in the positive. But that's not what she says. In fact, she says that you don't have to do that. But what she's saying here is if you've got something like, um, like you're going to improve your eating habits and you say, I'm not going to eat chocolate. Okay, so that's, instead of doing that, talk about what you will do instead. So at that time I might drink water or I might eat a salad or something. Look at what's going to come along in the future that might derail you. Again, so we're talking about when, as you're setting your direction, thinking about the future. And what are the sort of things that are going to trigger the old habit? So if you've got a goal which uh, involves you stopping doing something, then you obviously you've got to know what what you've got to stop, but also what are you going to put in its place? So what are you going to do instead of that old habit? So rather than getting uh, like committing to removing the old habit and doing nothing instead, commit to doing something instead of that. 
okay because what's going to happen is as, as you as you go along as you go along in the future and you decide okay I'm not going to spend 10 minutes on Facebook every day I'm not going to spend an hour on a Facebook every day and waste an hour of my time okay that's fine but what are you going to do instead because that's going to compel you to to have a higher purpose for uh, using that time effectively so the first three things are getting specific about your goals being a realistic optimist so understand that it could be tricky and figure out what you're going to do when obstacles do come along and then make sure that you've got positive things that you will do not just the things that you're going to stop doing so what are you what are your what's your replacement plan which is the way that she describes it in the book okay so for those three uh, does anyone have any questions someone asked how do they relate to how does this relate to smart goals yeah look this like the smart is the one that's the, the, the acronym that's used quite a lot and this is I think this is a lot more depth that has has a lot more depth than that so as you go through you'll find that some of the things do make sense and some of the things do match uh, the very first one of the first letter of smart is specific and that is exactly what we've got here specific but then the second letter of smart is measurable and yes you want your goals to be measurable but as we'll see in the next section there's a little bit of a refinement when we get to number five which is know what's left in saying yeah, make your goals measurable but also let's look at how exactly you should measure it so someone here says do you think it's useful to come from the position that you've already achieved your goal uh, I've successfully lost 10 kilograms and then work backwards so use positive language in fact very specifically uh, Halverson says no don't do it that way and when we get to number five uh, we'll talk about that so number five is know what's left and that's coming up and I know that there's some goal-setting processes that start with the affirmation of this is like I'm already the person that I'm that I'm aiming for and she says that kind of has some logic to it but the research doesn't back that up okay let's move on let's move on to the next set of three so the next three things that we're looking at uh, okay so we've set our direction now let's do it let's set a plan for it so the first thing that we've done is we've set the goal let's look at three things now where we're setting the plan for how we're going to achieve the goal okay so the first one that she talks about in this area is seize the moment what she means by that is this concept called if-then thinking as a computer programmer from a long time ago from way back and that's that's my uh, that's my expertise that's what I studied at university we had this concept called if then which says if X happens then do Y so in other words when something happens it's so it's a, it's a trigger so you link two things together and she says that the research shows that one of the most effective ways to stay on track is to and to be able to achieve your goal is to create these triggers in your life so you, you ask yourself these three questions so what do you need to do when and where do you need to do it and the, the third one is less important or, or sorry it's related but uh, that's also about the obstacles but then the key thing are, are these first two so what do you need to do and when and where do you need to do it so you set yourself uh, you make yourself a commitment so for example if you decide that you're going to write a blog post every week but you've had the commitment in the past and you haven't achieved it because other things get in the way what you do is you create for yourself a rule that says if it's 4 p.m. on a Monday I'm going to stop whatever I'm doing and write my blog post um, if I'm at the Woolies or Safeway and if I'm going to Woolies and Safeway then the first thing I'm going to do is head for the fresh food section if I whatever okay so that's where you that's where you decide your goal if it's eight o'clock in the morning 
until 8.30, I'm going to make, a, uh, make client phone calls or prospecting, or prospecting phone calls. So you create for yourself these rules that trigger when you're actually going to do the actions. So you don't just commit to doing the actions, but you commit to what circumstances are going to let you do those actions. And there could be things where you say, and remember I said you, there may be things that you want to stop doing, but if you're going to stop doing them, make sure you've got something else that you're going to do instead. Okay, so write down for yourself what the triggers are and also what could get in the way. So you know that, like if you know that it's unrealistic to set 4 o'clock every Monday because you don't know what's happening at 4 o'clock every Monday, then that might be a difficult thing for you to do because you might be traveling a lot, you might be on a plane, you might be in a presentation, you don't know. So make sure that you set the triggers in a realistic way. Okay, so I'm going to let you do that for the goal that you've chosen. So write down the actions you're going to take, but specifically what, what's going to trigger those actions. And sometimes it's natural because it might be that things happen in your life and you know they're going to happen, and sometimes you've got to create the trigger. Okay, the next one, and this comes back to the question that, that, uh, that someone asked earlier, is how you decide how you're going to monitor the goals. And the key here is to know exactly how far you have left to go. So it's one thing to say, great, like I'm on my, I'm on my path, uh, I've already achieved 20% of my goal or 50% of my goal, and that makes you feel really good, and that is good. But what Halverson says is make sure that you really focus on what is yet to be achieved. So in a way, it's a little bit of a negative focus because you're looking at the gap, but you're looking at the, the, what still has to be done rather than resting on your laurels. And because she says psychologically, the subconscious mind, if you start only thinking about what you've achieved, will start slowing down because you're only talking about what you've achieved. So decide what you're going to monitor, how often you're going to do it, and then make sure that you've got reminders along the way to do that. So you might put notes in your calendar to say, this is when I need to do it. So for example, if you've got a weight loss goal, a lot of people who start on weight loss goals, they, they weigh themselves every day. And it's a, it's a silly thing to do because your weight changes every day and also things, even if they, uh, I mean, your weight fluctuates every day. And even if it's going down, it's not going down fast enough. So you might decide that you're going to do a weigh-in every couple of weeks. And then you decide, uh, going back to that if then, you might say every Tuesday morning, um, or every second Tuesday morning, I'm going to jump on the scales. Or every second Tuesday morning, I'm going to measure my waist size. Okay, and make sure that you've got that and you've got specific reminders, uh, either in your calendar or you know, if it's every second Tuesday morning, you might remember to do it anyway. Or you set yourself uh, notifications in your email program or on your phone. Okay, but the key here is to know how far you've got left to go and make sure that you, what you're measuring is not what you've achieved, but what you've got left. And the next one, which actually uh, I will say for myself, this was the, the most useful of the nine for me. And what she says is when you've got a complex or difficult goal, one that you're not necessarily sure how you're going to achieve, the key is to focus on getting better rather than being good. So she talks about the difference between the being good goal is a performance goal, so this is what I'm going to achieve. A getting better goal is an improvement goal or improvement along the, along the way. And when you've got goals where you don't exactly know the process, make sure that you're not trying to, that you don't set yourself up for failure, but just keep, keep saying, I, I don't know what to do next. So just make sure that you've got things along the way that will help you make progress. So if you've got a goal which you don't know how to achieve, figure out what you're going to be doing and compare against your, uh, you know, getting better, compare against yourself so that you might be, so that you can measure steps along the way and you're measuring the process, not necessarily the outcome. Okay, so those are the three that we've just covered here. So again, I'm just going to stop and just check for questions and comments. 
Ah, uh, yes. Okay, someone says here, I've got an app on my phone called RunKeeper. Tracks my walking distance, speed, calories burned, sends me a friendly reminder if I don't start at the usual time. Yeah, great. And there are a number of apps now which are found for both uh, the, the Apple system and the Android system which allow you to do that. Uh, there's a number of, I looked at a number of goal-setting apps a couple of weeks ago, and there are some pretty good ones there now, and they will do all this sort of thing. Another thing that they will, that many of them do now, is that they will allow you to share your goals and share your progress with your friends, so you can enlist people uh, to help you support, uh, to support you along the way. So the third area is what you do along the way. And so these are the three principles that, that can help you, and the three techniques that can help you uh, stay on track when life gets in the way as we go along. So they have grit, build willpower, and don't tempt fate. And I must admit that when I read these, I thought this is a little bit too easy and a bit obvious. But actually there, again, as with everything in the book, there's quite a, little, quite a lot of depth to them. So let's look at the first one. So have grit. It's, it's about being persistent, but it's not only about persistence. It's also about starting off by saying, okay, what's getting in the way? So what belief have I got? that's stopping me from achieving this goal. So do I have some underlying belief that means that whatever I do, uh, whatever behavior and uh, environment I create around me, that there's a belief that's getting in the way of me doing it. So just make sure that right now, if you look at your goal and think about, do you have a belief? So do I have a belief that you know, I'm not a good keynote speaker or I don't, people aren't interested in my topic. Do I have that as a belief? And then how can I challenge it? So what can I do soon to challenge that belief and perhaps break down that belief? And that might be as simple as doing something that will prove that it's not true. Okay, so think about it, especially if this is a goal that you've set in the past for yourself and you haven't achieved, then perhaps there is uh, some underlying reason why you haven't achieved it. And so just think about, is there some, is there some belief? And this doesn't have to take a lot of navel-gazing. Uh, what Halverson is suggesting here is that you think about identify a belief and then do something that can disprove that belief for yourself. Uh, if you believe that nobody can do it, then maybe all you need to do is find somebody else who has achieved it. But if it's something that you believe that you can't do, then maybe you need to put something in place that will, that will challenge it and prove to you that it's actually not true. Okay, so how can you challenge it and when will you need to? And that also applies that when will you need to is as, as you go along the way, if you, if you can foresee that you're going to get disheartened or disillusioned along the way, then put a, put a plan in place to go, okay, this is the time when I'm going to have to challenge that belief again because that's going to, that's going to trip me up. Uh, we've done seven so far, so I hope you're tracking along with that and you've applied these to the, to the, seven, uh, the seven principles so far to, the, to your own goal. So the second last one is building your willpower muscle because there's a lot of research done, a lot of it recently, that says that willpower is just like, it's just like any other muscle. The more you use it, the more tired it becomes and also the more you use it, the stronger it becomes. Uh, and I know that sounds contradictory, but what she's saying is uh, it's, it's the same. Like in, a, in a day, if you, if you exercise early in the morning and you exercise really hard, then of course you're going to feel tired for a while, but in the long term, it's actually going to get you fitter. So she says it's really crucial to building rest and rewards. So don't try to make your goals so huge that it's difficult to achieve because your willpower does go down. And the, the sort of research is fascinating research where uh, they, they get people to do like a small willpower challenge at the start. It's, it, this is a psychology experiment. And then they, then they put temptation in their way. And the people who've done the challenge and they've had to exercise willpower early in the day find it harder to resist temptation later in the day. 
Okay, whereas the people who haven't had to exercise that willpower early in the day, they find it easier to resist it later. So willpower, it's, it's like it, you do get tired, uh, and your brain gets tired, and your willpower gets tired. So make sure that you've got rest in place and rewards along the way. And the other thing she says is it's just like building up your other muscles, add little willpower challenges along the way. So if you've decided that you've got a goal which requires a lot of willpower, and it requires some big commitments of willpower, then she suggests also adding in small willpower challenges along, along the way. So it might be something like if you've got a, a weight loss goal, a small willpower challenge might be to always leave food on your plate after a meal, so don't eat everything off your plate. Uh, it sounds like a simple thing to do, but a lot of people have been conditioned and brought up with the idea that they have to clean their plate after every meal, so just doing a little challenge like that might be all it takes. Um, and even if you don't think that's directly helping you achieve your goal, it's helping you build your willpower muscle. And the third thing is kind of related to willpower, but it is different, and that's the idea of creating an environment where you don't create opportunities for temptation. So the, 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 the principle is don't tempt fate. And the three things around that are, uh, when I say avoid temptation here, the first one, what I'm saying is, create an environment where temptation doesn't get in the way. So I know I've got a weakness for chocolate. And if I have chocolate in the house, it almost always gets eaten before, you know, within, an, within half an hour or an hour. So one of the things I've got to do is not have chocolate in the house. That's an easy thing. Or if I decide I'm going to have chocolate as a treat, I've got to buy a very small piece of chocolate. Because if I buy a big slab with the intent that I'm only going to eat a small piece, that never happens. Okay, so create an environment where temptation doesn't get in your way so that you don't have to exercise your willpower uh, muscle because, as we said earlier, uh, it does tire out. The other thing she says is that a lot of people, when they start goal setting, they set a lot of big goals. So if you've got a number of big challenges that you're setting out to achieve this year, do them one at a time. A lot of people start on the 1st of January and they set a number of big goals that they want to achieve in the year and they start on all of them at the same time. And... What Halverson's recommending is if you've got a number of big goals, stage them out. So you might decide that the start of every quarter is when you're going to start on each of your big goals or whatever, whatever you're going to do. And the last one, I've used the phrase cold turkey, which is give up completely. So if you decide that, uh, if I decide that I'm going to give up chocolate, rather than starting from a big slab of chocolate and then going down to a medium-sized slab and then a small slab and then right down to a uh, to small piece, then just uh, instead of doing that, give it up completely. Because the temptation is, yeah, the tempting fate is going back onto it and then just realizing how much you enjoyed it and then falling off the wagon if you like. So if you have got a big challenge, sometimes it's easier to give it up completely rather than trying to give it up in stages or trying to cut back and just um, falling back a little bit. Okay, so those are those three things again. So have grit, have grit, build willpower and don't tempt fate. Any questions or comments about that, about those three? Oh, actually, somebody asked, so how do you stop uh, willpower from tiring? The two things that Halverson says about willpower, um, actually probably three things, because one of them f spills over into the don't tempt face. So the three things she says about willpower, how do you how do you improve your, how do you build your willpower muscle? Uh, so there are three things that you can do. So the first one is to, to exercise it regularly. 
and exercise it on things that may seem unimportant, but they're, they're things where you're just going to go, okay, I'm going to actually do this, not because I necessarily want to achieve anything, but because I want to exercise. So it's like me when I exercise, uh, I run up and downstairs to exercise, and I end up at the same spot where I started. But it's building up my muscles, and that's the reason that I'm doing that. So actually do that. So actually do stuff that, that exercises your willpower. The second thing she says is make sure that you don't tire it out. So don't try and achieve too much with it. So don't try to do too many big things at once and just understand that uh, your willpower does diminish during the day fact. It's not just over time, but it's just even during a day. So make sure that you do rest and do, do give yourself rewards along the way. And the third thing is just try to put yourself in situations where you don't need to exercise your willpower muscle. So that's a bit about don't tempting fa uh, not tempting fate. So if you know that there's some environment, some time of day, or some place, or some people that you're around where that are going to that have in the past created these bad habits for you, and it's easy to avoid those situations or people or times or environments, then do that because then you don't need to exercise your willpower muscle as much, which means you don't need to do it, uh, which means you, that you've got more energy for the times when you do want to do it. Um, another couple of comments that, have, that are coming in. Any thoughts about the telling someone else to make the commitment real? You know, that is one thing that a number of people have said about goal setting, and I don't think that Halverson addresses that in the book. I, I can't think of any any one of the principles that, that falls around. In other words, making a commitment stronger by sharing it with other people. So that doesn't come up in the book. Someone else says, cold turkey is extremely difficult because when things go wrong, it's likely that you'll give up altogether. And that's part of being the, the realistic optimist that going, okay, if I'm going to go cold turkey, then understand that it is going to be hard. And that's specifically why she says at that point, you've got to understand that and this is where cold turkey for optimists is particularly hard because optimists are more likely to say, yeah, I can go cold turkey because on the 1st of January, it seems that you can. But they forget about the, the process along the way and how hard it is to actually go ahead. So she says, be an optimist in setting your goal, but be a pessimist in understanding the path to achieve it. Great. So thanks, everyone. So just, a, again, a reminder of those two books. So from both of them by the same author, uh, Nine Things Successful People Do Differently. Uh, I would suggest you start with that one. But if you're the sort of person like I who loves reading the, the science behind it and the psychology behind it, then get the other one as well. Um, I did them in this order, even though the books were written in the other order, so Succeed came first. But I think this, the, the red book is the one that's more practical and easy to put into practice straight away. If you do want to watch the entire webinar, including the slides, I've included it in the show notes for this month's episode. So just go to expertgoldradio.com and you'll find it there. So that's it for Expert Girl Radio this month and for this year. I hope you've enjoyed the show all throughout the year and found something valuable for your personal and professional life. And if you did get some value from it, I would love it if you could do me a favor and give me a review and a rating in the iTunes store. And that helps to promote it to other people as well. If you'd like to engage with me in some other ways, here are some other things that you can do. If you'd like me as a speaker for your next conference, you can find out more at gihanspeaks.com. You can also subscribe to my email newsletter, expertgold, at gihanparera.com. And while you're there, read and subscribe to my blog as well. Also sign up to my free webinar series, where I run a webinar each month, and it helps you with your personal and professional life. You can also go to my video channel at gihanparera.tv, and you can watch my regular educational videos, including recordings of some of the webinars that I run. Finally, you can join my membership site, the eGurus community, at eGurus.info.
I wish you all the best for a safe and happy Christmas season, and I'll be back in 2015 with more great content. You've been listening to Expert Gold Radio. If you'd like to subscribe, read the show notes, or leave your comments, visit expertgoldradio.com. And remember, great minds don't think alike.